0: Good evening, it's nice to have my wife back from teen camp, it was uh, really lonely without her this, this weekend. I just want to continue on from this morning in First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, First Peter chapter 1. And we'll continue on from verse 6. It says in verse 6, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him you love him and though you do not see him now but believe in him you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls as to this salvation the prophets who prophesied about of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries seeking to know what person or time the spirit of christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. And as we continue on here, it's interesting that as we read, uh, we read about... uh, blessing God and what we have in Christ, the inheritance, uh, and we're protected by the power of God. Uh, We continue on and it says, we greatly rejoice, but what he leads into is interesting, because he says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. And uh, what is there to rejoice greatly about? When we look back, uh, we we looked at uh, the great mercy of God being born again, our salvation, a living hope, which is in Christ through his resurrection, obtaining an, an, an inheritance, which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And all these things protected by the power of God. And then it goes into, you greatly rejoice, but I think that should have been uh, kind of group. If you look at verse five and verse six, I think the greatly rejoice kind of goes along with what we have been reading. But when we go into verse 6, it says even though. And when it says even though it kind of reminds me of a but. Like, you get good news, you know. They just got, they were encouraged about the Lord Jesus Christ, what they had in Christ. And then it says even though, and what is it talking about? The various trials. Huh. And it, it's funny because in the NASB, there's the if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. And you kind of wonder, uh, Peter, you know, can you just say, you know, it's not necessary? You know, why are, why are these trials ne- if necessary? And you kind of, why is that? Can it, can it be not necessary? I um, mean, we read, um, if you flip back one book in James chapter one, Verse 2 through 4, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so we read here that the trials, the testing, leads to maturity, it leads to growth. And I think about some of us may feel in our life, what are trials? How do we, how do we come into trials? Are trials like uh, maybe being able to buy, uh, you want a new toy maybe, you know, you, you want to buy something, you know, maybe I, for me, I want to buy a new car maybe, or uh, maybe you can't eat food that you want to eat, that you're craving, and so that's your trial, you know, because I love food, you know, and so you're, you're craving food, you really want something, but you can't have it at the moment, that's your trial, um, or maybe, uh, for me, I love sports as well, and I can't watch the Cubs in the World Series because I was at work, and I want to watch them so bad, but I'm in this trial, um, or um, things like that. And really, those aren't trials, you know? And for me, you know, it's a want, it's something that I wanna do, but it's not really a trial. But I I think of a a time when I was in Los Angeles and I I headed there to serve at Campus Crusade, but before I headed in to to serve, I met up with a group of friends and we went to eat. Well, when I got, we finished eating, we paid and we went back out to my car. And I got in the car, started driving, and I noticed that the glove compartment was open. I was wondering, did I grab anything from the glove compartment? Well, I mean, I don't remember reaching over there. And so um, I pull over and I go to the trunk and I realize I've been burglarized, you know, someone. Um, I was actually staying the night over in Los Angeles and at a buddy's house and so, Um, I had brought my laptop, my iPod, um, a bunch of other electronics, my, you know, electric shaver and all these things, and all of that was stolen. I'm thinking, Lord, I I came to serve you, and I don't know why this is happening, you know. And uh, another time, I'm driving to work at 2.30 a.m., and a large black dog runs in front of my car. There's no lights on the street, so I just, I can't help but hit it because I don't see it coming, and it damages my car. Um, I have to get it fixed, and I go through this whole ordeal, and and again, I kind of wonder, why am I going through these things? Um, Is this a trial? And then I think of missionaries like Hudson Taylor, David Livingston, um, Jim Elliott, and you know, you read about their life, their biography, and all that they went through, and they experienced trials. You know, they're serving the Lord, and All the things that they went through and you think of Jim Elliot uh, losing his life and Elizabeth Elliot continuing on trying to share the gospel with the very people that killed her husband I mean that's unbelievable and you uh, I watched videos on YouTube of uh, in India where there's harsh persecution for Christians and just watching Christians being beaten you know this is this is live footage of Christians being beaten this is what people have to go through around the world and I just want think about you know the trials and uh, maybe some of these people uh, that Peter are talking talking to they had to go through these kinds of trials and we think of of course the ultimate example of someone who went through trials and handled them perfectly is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and since Jesus is the best example of someone going through trial, trials and handling them the best best way, shouldn't we be studying his life more, reading about his life and really trying to figure out, you know, how did the Lord Jesus handle a certain circumstance? I think about Oftentimes, or not oftentimes, but just sometimes you think about, and I'm sure all of you can uh, remember the days when you were in school, and you had a test, and you had to study for it, but you know, a lot of people, maybe you, some of you are like myself, you procrastinate, and you end up studying, cramming all night, the night before the test, and after you finish the test, you just wonder, did did I pass the test? Did I do well? And the outcome of the test really is a reflection upon you and also the teacher as well. Because if you don't do well, then it's either you didn't study very well or the teacher didn't teach very well or a combination of both. And I, I know that the analogy can kind of be changed up, but I think you understand what I'm trying to say is that when we're going through trials, as Peter is talking to these Christians how do we respond and it's our response and the testing and like James said let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing well if we respond in a way that's Christ like and people see that you can have opportunity to share the gospel, and uh, what I'm saying is, uh, I think of a situation at work where, like I said, told you guys, there was a supervisor who had me lying, who ha- or not had me lying. She wanted me to lie. She wanted to say things and uh, be dishonest about the work that I did, but then when I got in trouble for not lying, for not being dishonest, there would be people who would come to me and ask me, why aren't you upset? Why aren't you angry? You should be upset. You have the right to be angry. And people would come up to me and tell me this. And you know, I really couldn't, didn't have much to say at that time. But then later on, I would have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. They would be more willing. And once I started sharing the gospel with, with them, they would listen. I could tell they were listening. And as we, as we go through trials, when we pass, when we do well for the Lord, it speaks well for the Lord. It points towards the Lord Jesus Christ. It points towards the Lord Jesus Christ as a reason for our victory. Verse 7, it says, So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter is encouraging the Christians here to persevere under persecution and remember their salvation. When trials come, as the book of James puts it, will you be found to have faith? Or will you falter? I mean, oftentimes, you know, as we're going through trials, it's easy to rely on our own strength. It's easy to say, how am I going to figure this out? How how am I going to get through this? How am I going to solve this problem? And when others see us, and I think Peter is encouraging them and uh, giving them a warning about this, because he understands that people, as they're out, as they're strangers, as they're aliens in a country, where uh, it's, everything's foreign to them. People are watching them. And can people see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in these Christians' lives that are spread abroad, even in the midst of trial, when they're being persecuted, when they're being hurt for their faith? You know, they're just praising, worshiping the Lord Jesus. Why is that such a crime? But yet, a lot of these people we're going through trials because of it. You think of gold, and it says, the proof of faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable. And I think, you know, for many of us, when we think about gold, it's something that's it's a pretty, um, seems like an imperishable substance. And I looked up the cost of gold right now, and Gold a gold coin the size of a quarter is worth one thousand two hundred fifty nine dollars and sixty cents. I mean that's that's a, a pretty hefty price for something that's small and I mean it's just it's just a gold coin really. But here it says, proof of our faith is more precious because it's something that leads to praise and glory and honor. It's something that's imperishable, it says, or uh, we read verses in contrast to gold, which is perishable. I think of when when you read the Psalms, you realize that God deserves the praise for everything. You know, the word praise comes up so often in the Psalms. I looked it up. And the word praise occurs 207 times in the Bible, and it occurs 100 times in the Psalms. I think that kind of shows, I mean, and it's always referring to the Lord. The Lord deserves a praise. We need to praise the Lord, give praise to the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 it says for momentary light affliction is produ- producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And so, you know, you read the apostle Paul's words right here and you wonder, light affliction? How can you say that being beaten And imprisoned is light affliction. Well, you have to read what he says that in comparison to the weight of glory, it's light affliction. There's no comparison. When you're talking about trials, persecution, and the things that we often have to endure here on this earth, compared to the eternal glory, the rewards in heaven, there is no comparison. You can't weigh it on a scale. Reading the book of Revelation reveals all that will transpire in the last days as Jesus Christ is revealed to the world in all his holiness and grandeur. And uh, we read here in the end of verse 7 that uh, through the testing that you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we think of at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when we see the Lord in all his glory. There will be praise, there will be honor. Although gold may perish, a suffering faith cannot be destroyed as they stay loyal and resolute for the Lord. And in verse 8, and though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly re- rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. When it says, and though you have not seen him, when Peter is speaking to the Christians, I guess maybe they, these Christians had never seen the Lord Jesus. Peter had, but these Christians had not. And in John twenty twenty nine, Jesus said to him, speaking to Thomas after Thomas doubted, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believe. That's speaking of us too. We haven't seen the Lord Jesus, but we're blessed because we believe in him, although we have not seen him. It's a mystery to the world how you can love someone you've never seen. I mean, how do you love someone? And I gave the story this morning of a coworker sharing the gospel with another co-worker and then the unbelieving co wondering, how can you believe in a God you don't see? Well, I think about all the, the babies that have been born here at Claremont and we've been blessed with recently. And I think, you know, the, the family and friends and we here, we're, we're one body of Christ. And we, kind of, we rejoice when we hear about a pregnancy about a, a healthy birth. You know, it's, it's a, a really joyous time. It's a time of rejoicing. It's a really happy thing. But the thing is, before they're born, the parents haven't seen the baby, yet they love this baby. The, all of us, if it's our relative or a friend, we, we still love this baby. We haven't seen the baby, but we love it. And I think, you know, it kind of correlates that we haven't seen God, but we love him. We know that one day we will see him, just like a parent will one day see their their child uh, how many months from now. And in Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened for those things must take place but that is not yet the end for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And I just kind of thought of that that passage just because of thinking about, a mother giving birth and that verse speaking of that and speaking of the end times and we think of the revelation of Jesus Christ at the end. You know, you read the revelation. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. What's going to happen? This is a a glimpse when we read in Revelation of the future that we can know that has been imparted to us. In verse 8, you see that Peter mentions the phrase, greatly rejoice. And he says, with joy inexpressible or indescribable, to point back to Jesus after speaking about trials. So he says, rejoice, greatly rejoice before he speaks of trials. And afterwards, he says the same thing, greatly rejoice. I think oftentimes, For us as believers, or those of us in this world, we go through a difficult, difficult time in our life. Someone passes away, we lose a job, um, all sorts of hard situations. And in those times, is it easy to rejoice? Is it easy to give thanks to the Lord? No, it's not. And yet, here Peter is telling these Christians to greatly rejoice, even during trials, greatly rejoice. He puts trial in between these two greatly rejoices because I believe he wants them to. And I read this morning in Philippians 4, rejoice always, and again I say rejoice. This is something that we're always supposed to do. It it doesn't say rejoice always in the good times or rejoice always when things are working out for you it's rejoice always at all times no matter what you go through no matter how hard the situation is and to be honest it's hard when you see another believer going through trials you want to tell them hey you know have joy rejoice but that's not always the first thing on our tongue right on the tip of our lips because we, we see the hardship, we see how difficult it is and, but at the same time that, this is the encouragement here to rejoice I think of how in my heart in my, in my mind there was a you think of joy inexpressible full of glory. (laughs) And I can't help but go back to, again, our wedding day. Uh, And I was supposed to see Rachel before the wedding, but it just so happened that things worked out where I wasn't able to see her. And I thank the Lord for that, because when she walked through the double doors for the first time, as I was standing at the altar, and I saw her face, I saw her eyes, our eyes met, there was a joy inexpressible. (laughs) It was one of the 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 greatest times in my life, of just in my heart I was rejoicing, knowing that I was marrying this girl that the Lord had for me, and and you know I'm I'm glad that I'm I'm not I wasn't supposed to give a speech or talk at that moment, but I all I had to do was stay silent and wait for her to be walked up uh, by Bob to the front, and it was just that the joy that was in my heart was unbelievable inexpressible indescribable and i think that's what peter is trying to get across here in verse 8 that although they don't they haven't met the lord jesus personally in a way they have they love him even though they haven't seen him and they believe in him and they can greatly rejoice They can have a joy inexpressible. In verse 9, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Peter encourages the Christians that they don't have to be anxious and unsure of whether or not their faith is enough for salvation. Once you put your faith and trust in Christ, that's it. You're saved. You've gained... Access into heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, and one day you will see our Lord and Savior face to face. Faith in Christ saves your souls, the non-material part of us, right? And right away, but our physical salvation comes later on when we receive our glorified bodies. We We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm just going to turn there real fast. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 51 through 54. And the, the end of this portion was read this morning at the breaking of bread. But I just want to read from verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. But we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory, and Second Corinthians chapter five. I just think it's it's just a, a wonderful thought that we're going to receive perfect new bodies, ones that will we won't feel the aches and pains. And honestly, uh, the job that I've been doing with the post office, I lift, I do a lot of manual labor, and I'm I feel a lot of aches and pains in this body. But one day I won't have those aches and pains. And in Second Corinthians five, and this is gonna be quite a few verses, but for we know that if the earthly tent which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hand, eternal in the heavens. For indeed in this house was we grown longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. And as much as we have, as we having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge, therefore being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, And prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. Read these verses about gaining a new body. About our faith and the salvation of our souls. And, you know, we have a salvation that is eternal. And I think about the being up at Verdugo Pines, serving up at Verdugo Pines, and I've been up there for about, uh, I've been up there a number of years now. It seems like it's only been a few years, but now I think it's been about six or seven years. And going up there quite a few times, and you, as a cabin leader or as someone who's up there, you encounter a lot of kids who, they doubt their faith. They doubt their salvation, and they they come up, you know, and they hear the word of God, they hear the gospel, and then they trust Christ all over again. And then you have to tell them, no, 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 it's not like that. It's it's You trust Christ once, that's it. You don't need to do it over and over again. And you, you point out Bible verses to uh, Bible verses of assurance, and I just wanted to read some of these verses here because, you know, maybe some of, Somebody here has some doubt. Maybe, it's, maybe you're wondering, you know, is my salvation secure? And I just want to read a few verses. It's 1 John five twelve to 13 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Okay, this is so that you may know that you have eternal life. So this isn't something that is temporary. This is eternal. John 5, verse 24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him, the Lord Jesus who sent me, or believes the Father who sent me, speaking of the Lord Jesus, has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. You can't go back into death. You have eternal life now. And in Hebrews 7, verse 25, it says, Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Now forever, I mean, there's no, you can't like change up the definition, right? Forever... And I, 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 think of uh, our brother uh, Dave Dixon, senior. He he always says, talks about forever. He, you know, is there any other definition for forever? It's, forever is forever. There's no like shorter period. There's no temporary period. It's forever. And there a few other verses: are John ten twenty nine, Ephesians four thirty, John six four 3, six forty seven, and Romans eight thirty eight and thirty nine. And those are just some verses for assurance of salvation and uh, maybe you'll encounter someone who needs some of these verses. In verse 10, As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to, to follow. Verse 12, It was revealed to them, that they were not serving themselves but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Peter writes about the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come. You think of prophets like Daniel, Zechariah, Isaiah, uh, these prophets who prophesied about the Messiah the Messiah who would atone for sin and the salvation that he would bring, so great a salvation that we here today can have. And he talks about how it's a salvation that these guys, these prophets were trying to understand. They wrote it down, but I don't think they completely understood. But now, Now that the Lord Jesus has come, now that he died, was buried, rose again, we read it in his word about all the the things that the Lord Jesus did. We have much more detail than them. We have a better understanding of the salvation that was being talked about in the Old Testament. It says in the very end, things into which angels long to look. If you have any questions about that, I'll divert all the questions to Ricky, who's an expert on the topic of angeology. Um, uh, that was some, just some tongue in cheek. But aside from that, <laughs> well, he did study a lot about the angels, so if you wanna ask him about angels, he is maybe a bit more knowledgeable than myself. But the angels, they didn't receive the prophecy. Man did. They they saw maybe the Lord Jesus dying, but they don't know the workings of salvation, of the gospel, the work of salvation. Sharing the gospel with someone. This is something that we have been entrusted with as man. And we see from the very beginning. Peter encouraged the aliens and Christians, and especially in verse 6 and 8, we see him encouraging them to greatly rejoice, even during trial. And for us, in this day and age, we can expect trials. And if our faith is proven, there is what is the result? We read... There is praise, there is glory, there is honor. And all of that being directed at the Lord Jesus Christ. I think for us today, we can greatly rejoice that during various trials, we know that our salvation is intact. That once we're saved, we're always saved. That we have eternal life. And that even in the midst of trials, no matter what we're going through, we can turn to him. And I think this morning, that was my emphasis, and that same was this evening. That Peter was encouraging the Christians abroad who are going through these trials. But we can take it for ourselves. That may we be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for his sacrifice. And we realize how blessed we are because of him. And through the trials in this life, whatever we go through, we know that if we turn to him, if we look to you, we know that there is a peace, there is a joy inexpressible. We just pray that as we're going through some of these difficult times, that we would be able to rejoice even maybe with clenched teeth because it's so difficult. We just thank you for your word. We just part us with your blessing and we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.